Everybody needs a good sleeper to win their championship. I'm here to break down the five that are going to help you do it. There's no time like overtime. I'm your host, Uncle Chug, and welcome back to Fantasy OT. Kicking off our list at number five, the Georgia Bulldog himself, George Pickens. I feel like every time we saw this guy on TV, he was making a highlight reel catch, a tiptoe grab, just doing something amazing with the ball. And with Deontay Johnson just being allergic to touchdowns, I feel like Pickens' ability to take the number one spot is right there for the taking. Last year, he had inconsistent quarterback play, juggling between Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. This year, we know who the starter is. It's Kenny Pickett. And he's definitely improved. And I would imagine that his connection with Pickett is going to be improved as well. Of all players that played a minimum of 800 snaps last year, Pickens had the second fewest targets in the league. Look for him to improve on that substantially. And while that seems a little scary that he had so few targets, it's also a great thing to know that the Steelers have that much confidence in their young receiver. They want him on the field, and it's just a matter of time before he puts it all together. I would expect him to take a big jump this year, have his first 1,000-yard season, and end up as a strong WR3, potentially a low-end to high or mid WR2. Don't hesitate drafting Pickens and be glad you did. Up next at number four, the poor man's Josh Allen. That's right. I said it. The poor man's Josh Allen. Daniel Jones. It seems like Brian Dayball just knows how to get the best out of his players. We saw Saquon take a jump. We saw Daniel Jones take a jump. And now with Darren Waller in the mix, I'd expect him to improve even more. Every year since Jones has been in the league, he's managed to improve his completion percentage. And let's not forget, the thing that makes him so valuable are his legs. Last year, he averaged eight attempts a game, had seven rushing touchdowns, and rushed for over 700 yards. Brian Dayball is not a flashy guy. He likes to protect leads. He's conservative. He wants to make sure that his quarterback does not make mistakes. I'd expect those same numbers, if not slightly better numbers in terms of rushing. Look for him to improve as a passer, especially with Waller in the mix and an improved receiving core, and for him to take that next leap especially coming off of his big payday. Coming in at number three, the high-risk, high-reward play, Marquise Brown. Through the first six weeks of last year, this man was the number 11 WR and half PPR leagues. And this was all during when DeAndre Hopkins was suspended. Well, you know what? Hopkins is not on the team anymore. So that number one role is unequivocally his. And I'd expect him to start putting together a season similar to those first six weeks. If Kyler Murray can somehow live up to what he's saying and come back by the first week or even early in the season, I'd expect Brown to be peppered with targets. There really isn't much behind him. I mean, Zach Ertz is coming off of a pretty debilitating injury. James Conner is still there. But he's the true number one on that team right now. And we've all seen what he can do when he was in Baltimore when he's healthy and on the field. That's the one issue. Can he stay healthy? I think if he can, he puts together his best season, goes over 1,000 yards, may have over 100 grabs, and can hopefully get you six or seven touchdowns. I wouldn't be afraid to draft Brown in the mid to late round, and maybe even a little bit earlier. Up next at number two, everyone's favorite handcuff, Alexander Madison. I feel like everybody drafted Alexander Madison early over the last four years because we just knew that Dalvin Cook was going to miss time with that shoulder at some point. Well, now we don't even have to worry about that. Cook is no longer on the team. And with Madison, every time he's filled in, he's done pretty well. But I think it's a pretty good sign if the Vikings felt confident enough to cut Cook, which is still mind-blowing to me a little bit, 
give Madison a two-year extension and not really sign anybody behind Madison. I think at the very least, it shows that the Vikings plan to use him as their number one RB in the beginning of the season. The keys are his. It's his car to drive. I would expect him to live up to the billing, whether that's through volume or just skill. I know the team is kind of pass first, but that is still a high-octane offense that's constantly trying to score points and chase points. And if you're in a league where you've drafted receiver-heavy, Madison is a great value pick in that third, fourth round. I think he could end up being a strong RB2, potentially a low RB1, depending on the volume he receives. But with Madison, he's not really great at any one thing. For him, it's more about opportunity than it is ability. But rest assured, he's going to get plenty of it. Topping our list, Khalil Herbert. Remember the name. We've all seen what he can do whenever Montgomery was out. He has flashed. We've seen him make big plays. We've seen him run in between the tackles. It seems like he can do almost everything. The one weak point in his game is pass blocking. But I think from what I've read this offseason, he's taken strides to help improve that. With David Montgomery out of town and only Deontay Foreman behind him, it seems like the coaching staff is all in on Herbert. I really believe with Justin Fields being a run-first quarterback and developing as a passer, they plan to run the ball just as much as they did last year, which, if you didn't know, was the second most in the entire league in terms of attempts. They only had one fewer than the Falcons, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, especially playing in Soldier Field. That field gets damp, it gets dirty, that that field gets torn up. They're going to have a lot of run-heavy game scripts. If he can put it together as a pass blocker, he may end up being a three-down back. I expect Herbert to make big noise and be given every opportunity to succeed. Matt Eberflus has talked about him glowingly all offseason. So expect Herbert to end up as a low-end RB1 or potentially a strong RB2. I just have a lot of faith in his ability. We've seen what he can do. And now he finally doesn't have to share that workload with anybody besides Foreman. But I don't think Foreman's going to be eating into that workload too much. Feel confident drafting Herbert and don't let him slip past the third round. That does it for me. Those are the five sleepers I think that are going to help you win your championship this year. 